0: Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle.
1: Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am passionate about having conversations with guests who will inspire and challenge you. If you enjoy my show i encourage you to review and rate it on your favorite podcast platform my podcast is brought to you by my company performance support systems we publish software tools and books for improving the way people communicate with each other at work and you can learn more by going to growstrongleaders.com i'm very excited to have with me as my guest today Evan Heckel. Evan, welcome to my show.
0: Fantastic to be here. Looking forward.
1: Well, Evan and I have had the opportunity to have multiple conversations before. I was a guest on his podcast. He had me as a presenter and guest um, at a recent online event that he held that was wonderful and got to meet a lot of his team members. So I've gotten to know Evan, not just through him, but through some of the folks who work with him. And before we get into our conversation today, I want to give you a more formal introduction so you appreciate who this very special guest is. Evan is CEO of Tortal Training, that's T-O-R-T-A-L, a leading training development company that's headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. Turtle, as I learned, especially through your summit, Evan, uh, is on the cutting edge when it comes to the creation of mobile training platforms for organizations with distributed workforces. He's also the founder and principal of Engage Consulting, and that's Engage with an I, and we're going to talk more about that. It's a management and leadership consulting firm located in Woburn, Massachusetts. And he's the author of a wonderful book that I've just read called Engaging Leadership Meets the Younger Generation. And I am very, very much looking forward to exploring some of the ideas in this book, Evan. So what I'd like to start with is telling us a little bit about your journey to the work you're doing today with training and consulting.
0: So my journey, which is really a journey of understanding the importance of engagement with an eye, an eye for involvement, really started in my family business. And I went and got an MBA and I came back to work for my father and I'd worked in the business off and on summers, all of that. And the family business had been stagnant for. Three for six years in a row, we were doing three million dollars a year. And you know, this is when three million was a lot of money, it's still a lot of money, let's be real. But um, what I did is I said, Well, look at that, we need a strategic plan. And you know, one thing I'll say to every listener now is if you don't have a plan, whether it's in your life, whether it's business, plans get things done, plans make things happen. So I said, what I want to do is involve the entire company and all the employees and build the plan. So we went out and we built the plan and our goal was to grow in five years to, uh, to 10 million from 3 million. And we went from 3 million to 5 million to 10 million to 25 million. Um, all because everybody knew where we were going, everyone got to contribute, and everyone had a sense of ownership on the plan. And I shared how we were doing as a company. I shared financial information, which everyone told me no one ever, ever, ever does that. I mean, they just never do that. But I really brought the team in as partners and and not from a legal sense, but from an intellectual sense. And then when I went to work for a company that's now called CCA Global Partners, uh, I was like the fifth employee And we grew the company to 10 billion in system wide sales, primarily in distributed work, uh, distributed uh, distribution, franchises, co ops, uh, marketing alliances, things of that nature. And it was really all around the concept of bringing all the stakeholders in, letting them contribute, sharing with everyone what we were doing, having everyone or in the same direction. And we had an average growth rate of 29% for 20 years, which is. An incredible accomplishment. Um, and from that, I realized in my consulting work that I could take this very simple principle and transform businesses and help businesses really jumpstart um, from where they, you know, where they are to where they want to go and where they want to grow.
1: Mm-hmm. I just love your, your story and the successes, you know, speak for themselves. So this word engage is really, you know, a cornerstone of your work. And so I want to talk a little bit about why you spelled it differently. Why is it I N G A G E instead of the word we hear all the time engage with an E.
0: Well, so I'm defining it as a higher level of engagement. So traditional management back in the 60s was top-down management. Management went, told people what to do. Then it became vogue to start sharing the vision of the company and letting people know. And, you know, engagement was to start talking and having, um, you know, two-way communication with an organization. My level engagement though is a much deeper level. It's where you're actually listening, sharing and getting contribution from people. And I've you know, had the privilege of doing this with you know, companies with hundreds of thousands of employees. I've done this with smaller companies you know, with 10 and 15 employees. And there are different ways you do it for you know, massively large companies versus small companies. But when, when you're not just talking at people but you're listening to people and you're involving them before decisions are being made. And that's the key because if I come to you Meredith and I involve you in a conversation where I already know the outcome, I'm just placating you. I'm just mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. you feel good. And you're you're going to you're going to recognize that. But if I come to you with the germ of the idea and get you to help embrace it or you have a germ that I might be more excited about. And you know, I'll just share another story because I think this one's worthwhile is, um, you know, we were in the business of doing franchising and, and cooperatives and we basically provided tools for these companies to do this. We had an opportunity to buy um, a nine store chain that was uh, one of the members of one of our co-ops and start to execute ourselves. And we learned really quickly that what we were doing wasn't working because we weren't dealing with the real world of what our members of that co-op were doing every day. And that we needed to create programs, systems, tools that embraced the chaotic life of somebody every day running a business. So we were out creating great tools, really great tools, sort of not really considering the real world implementation of those tools. Mm. And it really changed everything. And you can't always go out and buy to, to learn. But if you start really listening and understanding, it makes, it makes a huge difference. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. I'd love to know what were some of the key insights you know, what was happening that told you what you were doing wasn't working and um, alerted you to the fact, hey, we need to rethink our approach here.
0: So from a company perspective, we had a marketing department was creating marketing tools. The training department was creating training tools. We had a, uh, um, an operations department creating operations tool. We had a merchandising department that was designing displays. We had a buying department that was buying products. So we had all these different parts of the organization, and they all had their own goals. And they weren't thinking about how much we were asking that retailer to actually do. So at one time, it would not be unusual for three or four different parts of the company to be coming to that retailer and saying, we need you to do this in your business. This is so important to your business but they don't have the people and resources to implement four things at a time. They have the ability to implement one, maybe one and a half things at a time. So we needed to start thinking ourselves and coordinating and interacting all of our systems so that we would roll out things at a pace that made sense, not to us, but to them. Mm -hmm. And we were always thinking about ourselves. And... It, it was a mistake. And, that, and that's part of why engagement with an eye makes so much sense. Because when you talk to your customers, you get their real perspective. When you talk to your vendors, you get their perspective. When you talk to the team members, the people in the company, you get everyone's perspective and you can see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. But if you're, you know, worst case, you're in an echo chamber of senior management, which I like to refer to as high level dumb because you're in this echo chamber and you really have no idea what's going out there. And you have this vision of things you can do that are not based in reality. Then some people go, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll talk to the next level of management or we'll create an advisory group. And once a year, we'll take them on a nice vacation and pick their brain. Um, but they're not really embracing um, listening and involvement. so. Just to add on here, because I think this to give you some idea of the depth. Um, When I was uh, president of Carpet One, we had twelve hundred locations. We had eight hundred members of the co-op. So we created an advisory council of twenty-four people for the whole group. Then we created a mark. Every VP had their own council. So we had a marketing council, merchandising council, buying council, training council, salesperson council. a technology council, and then we actually had a council simply for implementing and piloting new ideas. Then in addition to that, we created 54 regional groups for our members to get together regionally, and we created a process through the 54 groups to have listening and when we had issues and things that happened. And each one of the advisory council members, typically speaking, had two to three groups that they were responsible for, for listening. Mm. So we were constantly listening. We were surveying, our, our surveys every year were unbelievable. Lots of open-ended questions, really rich in pulling things out. Um, but our, our goal was to have 40% of those 800 people actively involved in some form of leadership and actively contributing to the organization. So it wasn't just that group of people, uh, you know, that small group of 24. It was hundreds of people that were contributing. Um, And I could go on and on and talk about other things, but it, you know, it's just a really totally different level of engagement. Well, you Uh,
1: know, there's so many things I love about what you just said. And I want to challenge all my listeners, no matter what size organization you're in, to think about what do you have in place that really encourages the gathering of input. And I love the fact that each member of that council had responsibilities to get input from others. So it wasn't like they were just there to represent their own ideas. How rich that must have been.
0: Actually, we spent a lot of time with the council members grounding that it was okay to talk about themselves, But they literally had to say, this is about me and my company. Otherwise, they were representing everybody. And that they needed to speak about what was good for the whole. And there would be many times somebody would say, well, for me, this is what I need. But for the group, I see that this is what we need for the group. And I I need to support that, even though it's not really best for me, because they started to get the importance of we versus me. Mm. ultimately we is more powerful than me because when you build teamwork and success, it raises everyone's boat. So what might be a short-term disadvantage for you is a long-term advantage for you as the brand builds, as the power builds, as the effectiveness builds of the organization you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a really big cultural thing that generally doesn't happen overnight.
1: Mm hmm. Just so much richness in what you just said, Evan, the wisdom that um, and I know you gained that wisdom through hard knocks along the way, learning what didn't work and what did. I want to really look at this, um, these younger generations, because that's the you know, the title in your book meets engaging leadership meets the younger generation. And you define that as both the millennials and Generation Z. And so, just so my listeners are clear, what's the distinction you make between those two groups? And what is it about each of them that makes them unique that a person needs to be aware of? And then we'll get into some other aspects
0: of it. I am so happy you asked me this question. Because I was thinking I should ask you to ask me this question, because it's really, it's really, you know, a significant difference. So a millennial grew up with technology and grew up with the internet. But their primary way of playing was to get a whole bunch of people together in a room and get the Xbox out. And they were still physically together. So their group play was together as people uh, in a room. Gen Z was born on the internet. So my, uh, my millennial children, they were born when the Internet came, but they first started playing games that were primarily disconnected from the Internet. And the Internet was too slow. And so they were very technologically advanced, but they weren't connected. My youngest child, which is Gen Z, Gen Z high-speed Internet was real from the beginning of, of his birth. And... Um, the degree of connection was very different. So a lot of time that my son spent was with groups of people in a virtual world as opposed to a live world. So when he would make friends, so think about this in your own life, in stages of your life, you make friends and then you move to other stages. So for me, I made friends when I was in elementary school. And then my family moved and I made new friends in middle school and I made more friends in high school and then I went to college. And you don't keep up with your elementary school friends, right? But with the internet and especially Gen Z, you can have friends from elementary school. They move away, but you stay in contact with them almost as closely as your friends that are in person. So the whole social construct is different And for them to spend a day in a room with the door shut and a computer on and several monitors up, and they've got a thing called Discord, which is an amazing piece of technology for them to have group discussions and, you know, they've got, they're talking amongst each other, playing video games um, is very different. And so from a work perspective, a, a millennial is still looking for that personal connection at work and and it matters can they work uh, at home or work by themselves better than people in the you know a baby boomer or um you know an old older older generation yes but a gen z they are totally happy working in isolation because they're very used to working in isolation Um, So it's, that's really the biggest difference between the two generations is the whole connectiveness and the need for interpersonal connection.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great distinction. And what would you say are the either the age ranges or the date of births that separate those two groups from other older ones?
0: So this is a really interesting question because I don't think there's a singular good answer because Gen Z started in the urban areas faster than the rural areas because the urban areas had higher speed internet faster than the rural areas. Um, So I use a rule of thumb Think that any child born after the millennial 2000 is Gen Z, and the millennial generation was born before 2000. Um, but you know, I, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. And you know, there's certainly personality types that in all generations buck the trend. And it's too simplistic to think that every millennial is like every other millennial, and every Gen Z is like every. These are tendencies of. A generation not hard and fast rules
1: sure well yeah just looking at different styles of personality you know that's another variable that impacts what somebody's needs are at work
0: total trainings learning matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortle.com slash learning development.
1: You know, this younger generation, both of them have gotten kind of a bad rap. You hear a lot more negative news or complaining about their attitudes or their work ethic from folks. And what I loved that was refreshing in your book is you really have such a positive feeling about this group. Oh, I love the general. In fact, I wanted to share with my listeners a quote because I want you to explain why you say this. Millennials are the best workers who have ever entered the workforce and Generation Z will only be better. Why do you say that?
0: So, when I look at people, the number the two attributes that I look for to distinguish a high performer um, from a a low performer, and one is attitude, and you can have good attitude in pretty much any generation. The other is being a committed lifelong learner, wanting to get better, and the um, Millennials and the Gen Z's are all about getting better, all about learning, all all about self-improvement. And the older generations, it's not nearly as such. Um, Their access to things that would help them become better is uh, is much less because they didn't have the internet when they were were children. Uh, Unfortunately, older generations don't read books. I will tell you that the amount of reading the millennial generation does and Gen G does dwarfs older generations. Now, they're not reading a book per se, but they're on the internet, Googling things, searching for things, researching things. They're very goal minded. They constantly are looking to improve. They're very competitive because they're used to playing games and being competitive. And a lot of these games are team games. So, my son, uh, my oldest son, plays Civilization. And he plays Civilization with like six people that are on his team. It's a team game.
1: Mm. It's
0: you know think about work. Work is a team game. There are individual contributors, but it is primarily a team. It's primarily a team game. But the biggest shift, and this is important, and I know you and I are going to get this, and I have some of the audiences, and so I'm going to take a time a time to explain it, is the Bewitch Syndrome, which is what I refer to. So if you ever watch the show Bewitched, her husband worked for a boss, Larry Tate, and he always did what Larry told him to do because he didn't want to risk getting fired. He was paranoid about getting fired. And some of this has to do with the um, concerns about, you know, parents getting unemployed and not having jobs and and so you know you know taught you know you just don't ever get fired you just don't you know it's too important so in the tv show he was always doing the craziest things larry asked him to do even when he knew they made no sense to do because that's how he kept his job and that's how people thought in that time period well millennials and gen z are totally fine changing jobs consequently They are totally fine being honest at work. They're totally fine giving company feedback, ideas, suggestions. And that's the strength of a great company is where people that work in that company are free to be engaged, free to share. So the issue that people have when I talk to them, why don't you like millennials, is they're going to always say to you, well, they, they, wanna, they want rewards for just being there. They want to get promoted for just being there. And, you know, they're ungrateful and they don't understand what they need to do. And they just, that's what they want. And this makes them entitled. And I'm sure you have heard this yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, yeah, okay. It's because the people audio, which is, nodding her head. Um, and the truth of the matter is, They absolutely want to get promoted. They absolutely want to do better in their job and be recognized for it. But they are totally okay with putting in the work and effort. The problem is that most managers are lazy and they don't take time to really sit down with their teams, understand what somebody wants to do and help put together a path forward for them to get the knowledge so they deserve to make that step up in a company. But when you talk to the millennial generation and you find out what's, what someone wants to do, and not everyone is growth minded and some people are happy in individual contributor roles. I don't wanna pin and say that every millennial wants to be the CEO of the company, because that's not true. But they, they tend as a group to want to get better and to improve and to be recognized. They definitely want to be recognized. So if you give them the tools, if you say, look at, this is what you need to master to get to the next level. And this is how you can master it. They're going to do that. They're going to step up. They're going to be eager to do that. And that's what I love about the younger generations is they are totally lifelong learners. They're totally committed to self-improvement. That's what you want on your team.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, this is such an important point because I think sometimes, and it ties back to your whole uh, point about listening and asking questions to find out because we can make assumptions about an entire generation and, and, and connect it with the person in front of us and be totally off base because we haven't taken the time to ask. Yeah. So what kinds of questions for someone who's listening to this and they work with a lot of the younger generation, what are some of the kinds of questions they could ask that would help them get a better understanding of what that individual might need, what would get them really excited, committed, and engaged?
0: Well, you just ask the question to go to the individual and just say to them, um, you know, I'm curious, where would you like to grow in this company? What do you need? What would make, what would make your job better? Um, how can we be better as a company? They're going to tell you. Um, and, and listen, because there's nothing better in life. There's no bigger gift in life than honest feedback. So many people are just nice to be nice. Oh, isn't that person so nice? They're so sweet to everybody. But does that really help you? Does it make you feel good in the moment? Yes, it makes you feel good in the moment. But does it take your company to the next level? Does it take you to the next level? So, you know, this is a group of people that will tell you how they like to be managed. They will tell you what they want. You know, Tell me, what are you thinking about? Where would you like to go in the company? What kind of role would you like to have? And then help them build a plan to get there. Um, and you know, and I, I'll be critical for a moment. A lot of managers manage by check sheets, and they don't really manage people. They manage tasks. And we need to be managing people. Mm-hmm. And there's a there is a a bit a big difference between the two
1: yes and i liked in your book your emphasis on this plan you know creating a plan for new hires as soon as you bring somebody on board you know helping them really understand and see how they fit into the larger organization so they're engaged from day one or maybe even before you hire them what are some tips that you have for you know really identifying the right kind of candidate who would fit into the sort of environment you're describing
0: i love the question so as i said the two most important things for me in hiring is attitude and the other and the other is lifelong learner so one of the questions i love asking people is what have you done to learn to grow are you reading books are there podcasts what other things you're doing, you will be shocked at how many people will tell you nothing. And, and, you know, you sit back and you wonder, okay, if somebody, you know, if basically a person that's doing nothing to personally develop at work is working, they are not enjoying their job, they are surviving their job. And what's interesting is you will see around this particular question is younger generations are four more, far more likely to actually give you answers and have things that they are doing to make themselves better versus older generations. Older generations are going to sit, you know, te- not all are going to sit back and, and likely be dumbstruck by the question. They're going to, they're, they're going to not, not, you know, you know, what's the last time, you know, I love salesman. What's the last book you read on, on sales? And what did you learn? And, you know, uh, well, I've never read a book on sales in their entire life. Uh, it says something to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I really enjoy asking questions that will um, have them tell me because people can read, you know. So if I say to them, "Look at you know, share a time in your work experience where your positivity made a difference," well, they know exactly what I'm looking for, right? So I ask them and say, you know, what, are you, what do you think are the, the right attributes and, um, of somebody that you like working with? And if I don't hear positive, then I know they're likely not that positive. Uh, one of the things I've always learned in life is when you ask somebody about a generic other person, they generally are describing themselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you ask them about themselves, they get very nervous so if you say, well, what are your attributes? That tends to make me more when I say, what are the attributes you think of somebody that's really good at work? Um, that's going to, that's going to give you that, 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 that inf- information uh-huh. and, you know, other questions is, you know, tell me about when you felt successful and what made you successful and, and listen to what they're saying. Listen for, listen for the hints. Um, and. You know, when you do reference checks, I always like to at literally when I call a reference check, I'm looking to get names of other people to get a reference check from. Because if a person can't find three people in the world that are going to say something nice about them, whether it's true or not true, there's something wrong, right? So I like to call somebody up, and when I go, I go Meredith. I'm getting a reference on John. And I was just wondering who else you think I should call to get and hear something about John? Who else does John, who else uh, do you know that would give a good reference on John? And then I'm starting now to get to people that, you know, haven't been called and asked for that favor. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it takes a little bit of work, but it's worth doing.
1: Well, it does because you're making such a huge investment, you know, of your time and hiring this person and training them. And, and that leads to another question I wanted to ask you about, because with these younger folks being so eager to learn more, what kind of training, since you're a training company, what kind of training have you found to be most effective at engaging them
0: in the learning? So whenever I bring on a new hire, and, and fortunately, we have very low turnover. So new hires are generally new jobs, which are, which are great. I always personally meet with someone and review our vision, mission, purpose statement, and our strategic plan. And I really go into depth about what's in the plan. So they not just read it, but literally understand it. And one of the tasks that they have Is in about two months time, they are going to present the mission, vision and purpose to the company in a company wide meeting. So they know that when they listen to me that they got to really listen because they're going to be presenting and because they're going to be presenting, it's going to um, uh, cause them to learn at a higher level, we then create a track an onboarding track of things that they need to know and who they need to talk to. So um, we have a learning management system, which is, which is good because in a learning management system, you can actually build the track and systematize the whole onboarding process. But if you don't have a learning management system, it's just a matter of here are the key people here. These are how you uh, can reach them. You, you know, Obviously you're gonna probably introduce them and set time and talk to individual people in the company and what their roles are then, you know, we have certain online training because we sell custom online learning that we want them to take and see so they understand our products and our services. Um, and, you know, depending on their role, what they do, there generally is, you know, tag along time and, and learning time. And um, we, you know, want people to, you know, crawl, walk, run. Um, and then we're checking in. And we did a very... We, we decided to increase our sales staff, and we did a very deep dive on what we needed to do to train new salespeople and really document the process. Um, because if you just bring people into the company and just say, you know, uh, you know, do this, that, and then, you know, two weeks later, they're making sales calls, um, it's not going to be overly effective. But it is the primary way people are trained in this country. And, you know, it's 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 sad to see, because what happens is particularly with the younger generations, the number one reason younger generations leave work is because they do not see personal growth and they do not feel they're getting trained. Right now, the number one type of person that you want working for you is somebody that wants to have great personal growth and wants to get trained. So I I love the younger generations because. I'm committed to training them. I'm committed to supporting their growth. I'm committed to seeing them improve in life at work. Um, if I was not that way and I you know, was the old thing, I don't want to train them because if I do, they'll leave me. Um, they're going to leave you. And they're going to be unhappy. But when they feel that they constantly get something to learn, constantly get better, constantly get more trust, given more responsibility, um, they feel really fulfilled. And that's why I love younger generations.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, everything you're saying about training, it's like this immersion in your company. So it isn't just this superficial knowledge. And I love the fact that you require them to do a presentation and they know this up front and it it's like so much training that we send people to, right? They don't have an any idea of how am I going to be required to apply this later. So it's a different frame of mind they bring to the, the training event, if you will, compared to if they know they're going to be expected to use this later. I would love, I, I was really intrigued with what you said with your sales process. So when we talk about effective training. What were some of the elements that you felt you needed to add or modify in order to really prepare people to go out and be effective salespeople for you?
0: One of the things that we wanted to do is make sure they really understood our product and our philosophy. So our company, we compete primarily with technology companies that know very little about training where we are at heart, a training company with technology. So it's very important that every one of our salespeople really understand our 4D design process. They really understand how we work with customers. Uh, We have a thing we call a DACOM, which is a curriculum design event, that they've gone to several of those. So they understand the strategic nature of our work. So a big part of this was to make sure that they got the proper exposure to everything in a deliberate way. Because you might say, okay, I want the person to do a month of observational training, but if you're not deliberate as to what are all of those elements, then in that month, we may not have a day right? The next month, we might have three. So the ability to um, have, uh, make sure that everything was checked and then we have in in there them working with current customers, and seeing what current customers think and feel, and and we fortunately have raving fans. So we don't have the, the only time people leave us is when their company's acquired, um, which I'm trying to figure out how to fix that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, but so, you know, they get to experience that. So now. They understand our product. They understand our philosophy. They understand how well we treat customers. So then when they start making sales calls, they're speaking from the heart because they know. And then we have a sales methodology and the sales methodology is all about listening to customers and solving real things. Our our purpose is to make effective training easy. Right. And easy isn't just the training itself easy is the process in which we work with our, our clients. Many of our clients are looking for our strategic knowledge of training to supplement what they, they want to achieve at their company. So it's, it's a combination of all of the, all of the elements. And we're certainly not training people to, you know, ask, uh, you know, do you want to buy this on Tuesday or Wednesday? Or do do you want it delivered on Tuesday? That's not, Our sales process, our sales process is relationship building, problem solving and earning people's trust uh, because our customers are with us for years, years. I mean, you know, I would say I don't know what the average is, uh, but it's at least 10 years. Um, So that's a long relationship. Yes. Um, So, you know, but the average time Six months from first meeting to sale. That's a long selling cycle.
1: Mm -hmm. It is. And there's so much that you've built in there that I really want to encourage my listeners to consider with their own development programs, whoever it's for. But I think the example you just gave of sales where they can speak from the heart, you know, that. We underestimate the power of that too often and the importance of investing time in that, not just for your salespeople, but as I was listening to you to describe what you're doing, again, this whole immersion, so that they feel a part of the company. You know, they really are engaged. The more you talk, the more I really appreciate the use of that term, in involved you know, just all in with your company and committed, and they wouldn't think of leaving. And so the whole approach that you take, I want to really encourage my uh, audience to pick up a copy of your book, because you go into so many other things that we just don't have time to touch on today, but engaging leadership meets the younger generation. Pick up a copy of this. And Evan, we could keep talking for hours, but I need to wrap up just for the sake of time for this episode. Please let my audience know where and how they can connect with you, learn more about the services of both TORTAL training and Engage Consulting and any other um, tip
0: or insight you'd like to share before we wrap up. So I, I have one tip that I want to share. And because on my podcast, I always end, end with the, you know, one tip if you're going to share. So I'll, I'll do that after I give everyone the information. Um, my uh, training company, Total Training, is T O R T A L T-O-R-T-A-L.com. My personal email is eHackle at com. My consulting business is engage, dot enet My email is eHackle at engage.com, I-N-G-A-G-E dot, excuse me, dot net, I-N-G-A-G-E dot net. My personal number, which I'm happy to share with everyone, is 781-820-7609. And if you do read my book, I have a leader's guide, which if you email me, I'd be happy to send to you. Um, and if you go to um, to my website, you can also download the uh, the uh, leader leaders guide for sure on engage.net, not positive about total, dot, uh, com. And my last tip is really around um, younger generations like to work for companies they feel great about. And that having a company that has. A real vision, a real purpose, real values that they feel is doing good things makes a huge difference. And I think it's amazing what, if you really think about it, your business does that makes people's lives better. You know, and I'll just pick this out of the blue because I'm thinking of it. But, you know, for instance, one of, the, of our customers is Mosquito Joe's. And, you know, people are going around and they're spraying yards with um, not pesticides, but natural things to keep mosquitoes away. And, you know, what they're really doing is allowing people to enjoy their summers, uh, enjoy their backyards, enjoy their kids, enjoy their grandkids, enjoy their friends. And when you really start thinking about what you do, put it in the frames of the way in which you make the world better, because it. Each business, and I don't care what the business is, if you get right down to it, that business is in fact doing something that makes the world a better place. And make sure you ground people and share that with your team because that's where the younger generations want to work.
1: Beautiful. I love that summary statement. Thank you. Evan, I want you to know how much I admire you as a leader, as a human being for the work you do and the values you bring to your own work. Just listening to folks on your team talk about you and how much they enjoy working with you spoke volumes to me about, you know, who you are and the company that you have built. And it shows that everything you've shared with us today comes from your own walking of your talk. It isn't you just, you know, making these vague or even specific recommendations in a conceptual way, you live them every day. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate that about you. Well,
0: I have a really great team of people, a really great team of people. And uh, I'm really proud. It's a joy to work with them every day. It really is.
1: That's great. Well, I hope that because of this conversation, a lot more people will think of ways that they can build a company where they can say the same thing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net. T-O-R-T-A-L. Tortal.net.